Okay, so this is the marketing uh, Q&A that we are uh, setting up here um, to really hopefully find out um, what is going to be involved in getting to know really um, how to prepare your marketing for 2020 and beyond. Obviously, it applies to things that are uh, sort of current right here, right now, um, but also really for starting to, um, I guess, really sort of supercharge your marketing for, for next year. So this is a Q&A that um, is open pretty much to answering any questions on any subjects. I've already had quite a few questions come through uh, in advance of this session. So this is going to be quite interesting to uh, sort of cover those. But obviously, for those of you on the live session here, uh, feel free to use the chat facility to uh, post any questions and I will do my best to, to answer them. Um, so we've had a, a quite, quite a mixture of um, questions actually come through and as I'm looking down the list um, they are some of them very very kind of operational very tactical others are a little bit more strategic a little bit more sort of thoughtful if you like um, so it'll be quite an interesting session to see kind of what resonates for you some of the things might be very applicable to you right now uh, and other things might well be things that uh, you think well actually it's interesting to know but hey it doesn't really apply to me and I guess that's the beauty of marketing that is the beauty of this whole thing that we're playing with with, um, is that there are so many ways to slice and dice this, so many ways to pick things up and use them or not use them and just kind of park them. Uh, the trick really is about prioritization. I mean, that is really part of, of marketing. It's about prioritizing uh, and focusing and, and thinking of these things as, as little semi-projects, really. Um, and if the projects that you're focusing on are going to add value to what you're trying to achieve, then they're great and you're doing the right thing. If they're not and they're creating a little bit more chaos, then clearly they're not the right thing. So hopefully we're going to focus on some stuff here today that will be really useful for you. So the very first question that's come through is, um, now this one really is a tactical one, which is, um, it's an interesting one, which is what's the best way to grow Instagram as a marketing channel? Right, so Instagram, well, a lot of changes happened um, over the last kind of six months and we're envisaging a lot more changes to come in the next six months with Instagram. Um, you probably know it's very, very closely aligned and is becoming ever more aligned with Facebook. Um, so things that kind of happen in the wider kind of Facebook arena are very likely then to spill over into Instagram. Uh, one of those big things which has happened over the last couple of years is the concept of video. Um, obviously, Facebook has been making a huge play uh, in the whole video space with uh, Facebook Live and various other kind of features uh, on your various posts and, and for advertising as well. Um, and this is now really spilling over into Instagram. And certainly if you have had an Instagram account for quite some time, what you'll probably have found is that it is very, very much changed to what it used to be. Um, it used to be very, very simple to do the, you know, the typical trick of, you know, you follow me, I'll follow you back kind of thing. Um, and that would be a sort of an organic way to start to build your following and build engagement. Um, that is very, very restricted now, very restrictive um, in terms of how to actually grow a successful channel. Um, best practice within Instagram is still about adding value. It's still about giving sort of context. It's still about creating uh, sort of materials, both the written word, obviously video and uh, images, which is obviously it's heartland. That's what it's uh, sort of began with and was based on. Um, but now it's very much about extending that beyond just creating content. Um, it is very much now about publishing, and I think that's a really key word that we're going to find going forward in 2020 is it's going to be a huge word, publishing. Um, the, the big feature which a lot of the commentators um, in digital marketing at the moment are talking about is IGTV. Uh, if you haven't spotted that, um, check out that little button on your Instagram account because that is going to be the one that's going to probably, um, and nobody's really confirming this, nobody's really sort of saying, yes, it is definitely this or not, um, but it's very, very likely, and a lot of the research and a lot of the commentators are saying that it's going to be IGTV that's going to drive this thing going forward. So if you're not creating video content, and that is short sound bites of video content, anything from sort of 10 seconds to two minutes, um, if you're not creating that sort of video content, then probably now is the time to start thinking about that because it's going to be very, very difficult to grow a marketing, um, grow Instagram as a marketing channel um, in 2020 and beyond without creating video content. Um, this seems to be the big value add. The algorithms have definitely changed. If you've been watching Instagram closely over the last six months, you'll have seen that, you know, it is very hard to just grow purely through posts and hashtags. Um, 
certainly engagement speed though is another good one that's um, really really worth thinking about you know you have to be responsive a lot of people think of digital that from a work perspective as hey i can schedule all my posts on a monday and then i don't have to look at it again till friday um, that again isn't the case you know you do have to be very responsive um, we've certainly seen from business pages um, business pages in facebook for example if you respond very quickly you you get credits for that and then the algorithms and support your page um, and um, help you show up better in the search rankings um, you get more credits for engagement because you respond quickly so we've got every reason to believe that that will be another algorithm that's going to really be supporting growth in instagram so i'd say probably it is those two things so if you want to grow it as a marketing channel look at the igtv um, think about video within instagram rather than just the typical kind of images and hashtags um, that is something still you're going to need to do in your account but i think certainly for growing it and, and really getting some traction and, and doing things at more scale if you like it's igtv and then it's response time uh, another question that's come through, uh, for those of you on the live session here, uh, if you use the chat facility rather than looking at the Q&A, uh, you can obviously ask any questions, so click the, uh, the chat button in your control panel. Um, another question though that's come through is, um, I don't have very much time, should I focus on internal or external marketing? Ooh interesting question I think I think most people consider marketing as being that kind of customer facing thing um, they, they kind of sort of think of it as being that that thing that you know you, you just sort of do to um, to talk to your sort of your customers um, and to start to build a following you know create some more brand awareness and kind of take people through a customer journey uh, a lot of marketing though that is um, the, the most successful and certainly if you could sort of term it this kind of best practice marketing is the kind of marketing and, and particularly at a planning stage planning level that focuses first and I would say very much first on internal marketing um, just as an example if you can imagine if you're looking to launch a new product or service and you go help a lever straight out into the marketplace and you say hey we've got all these lovely new products and services you know you want to buy them you know they're all these lovely features and benefits here are the outcomes for you you know and you're selling the virtues of these things giving great value you know plugging all your USPs and everything else and then you get this deluge of, of interest. You get all these leads, you get all these inquiries and the business isn't ready because the business thinks, what's, what's going on? You haven't told me about this new product or this new service. Or I don't really understand kind of how to market or sell it. Um, and you're expecting me to support this product. So internal marketing first. Um, if you don't get your internal marketing right, then obviously what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for failure because you're going to get a lot of success with your external marketing. But then when you try then to kind of support that and actually deliver it, and particularly as those customers then, you know, purchase the product and go into the retention phase of their customer journey, which as we know is a really important stage of their uh, engagement with you, what happens is they, they just get lost in the mix. So what we need to be doing here is really thinking about our internal marketing first, really thinking about, okay, who in my organization needs to know what I'm doing? What do they need to know? When do they need to know it? And what's the best way of communicating with them? So I always say about internal marketing, it's kind of speaking the language of the people you're trying to engage with within the business. So if you're talking to the finance team, because you need their support, you talk a finance language. So you show them the ROI, you show them the numbers, you show them the targets and the forecasts, and you kind of talk that language, you give it that spin. If you're looking at sales, you're talking about obviously all the value propositions, all the great messages about this product launch. Um, if you're talking to customer service or customer support, it's all of the Q&As, it's all of the things that might happen. Obviously, you give them all the features and benefits and you, you tell them the bigger picture and the kind of the vision for this program. But you also tell them um, how best to support this product or service. So it's about engaging with people internally on their own level. It's about engaging with them in a language they'll understand. You know, often, and I, I've fallen foul of this myself many, many times, is this whole kind of marketing speak thing um, where, you know, you're talking the marketing language, you kind of speak your own language, you think, hey, I'm making lots of sense, it's all positive, you know, it's all great news for the business. And then people sit there and they you just think, yeah, they haven't got a clue what I'm talking about. Um, and that can become a real problem. So part of your task as a marketer or as a communicator or as a leader or manager is to talk the language of the people you're trying to influence. So you've got to kind of translate what you're trying to say into something thing um, that's going to be meaningful for them so kind of in a, in a sort of a language that they'll understand so internal or external marketing first uh, well, where you should focus i'd say get the internal marketing right first time get that 
sort of you know as your priority um, if you're already doing good things externally and you think well what's he actually talking about with the internal marketing then it's all about really selling the virtues of the work that you're doing so that is about sharing good case studies internally within the organization uh, not just externally i think a lot of marketers a lot of communicators a lot of pr people think a lot about sort of pushing things externally when actually a lot of the sell a lot of the marketing can become backwards internally into the organization because if case studies and testimonials and recommendations is a great thing for the customer it's also a good thing to share back into the organization because obviously then you can be looking um, to the rest of the organization to fuel you with more ideas or more opportunities for getting more case studies and testimonials because as a marketer there's a limit to what you can access and what you can do but if you keep your sales team engaged you know you will find and i'm going through an experience this myself at the moment with a client you'll find that people come out of the woodwork and say hey i saw this um, case study from that customer well i've got an even better one over here and what you find is that there's often a, um, a positive sort of competitive thing that starts to build because everybody wants to look good everybody's you know got an ego and everybody wants to kind of share the great work that they're doing so play to that and you know, make an opportunity of developing your external marketing from really listening to the rest of the business and figuring out actually you know where they're going and what they've got so internal or external marketing if you have to focus i'd say always every single time it's internal first doesn't mean i'm not saying that external marketing is good because it's clearly part of our role as marketers but i say get the internal right first time uh, another question that's come through, we have an internal objective to increase um, uh, a session on one of our sites as part of an overall goal to grow sales. To achieve this one element, we're planning to, uh, is to introduce social media channels to the brand. Uh, we bought the company a few years ago and they're playing catch up. How would you suggest a starting or any tips on starting a business page? Okay, well that's a... Um, I guess really what we're talking about here is this word integration. Um, I find myself using the word integration a lot. Um, it, I guess with integration, it kind of depends where is the critical mass of engagement. So, you know, you can start up lots of new channels. You know, if you have new products or new branches or new parts of the business or even new um, sort of companies that maybe you've acquired, new kind of sort of opportunities to kind of grow your organization. There, there is a, a sort of a tendency really to say, hey, you know, you come into the existing um, sort of you know, mass that we've got here of channels. Um, and actually what we'll do is we'll say, well, we'll kind of strip yours out and we'll, we'll just use ours and we'll kind of grow ours and we'll expect the people who engaged with the old brands to actually come across into ours now of course that is a huge leap of faith you know people don't have time people don't have energy so what people want this is your customer um, they typically want the easiest common route to get to what they need so what i always kind of recommend in situations like this where you're trying to sort of integrate multiple channels is think actually where can i see evidence of the best interaction so if you're looking to introduce new channels um, particularly for new companies that you've um, either acquired or that you know sort of new parts of the business that you're trying to sort of integrate think how much of what you've already got is applicable to them because you know unless you have huge huge resources every time you add a new channel into the mix you're spreading your resources a little bit more thinly so it becomes you know a harder task to kind of draw these things together so have a look at what you've already got and think you know is there stuff that we're doing at the moment that could be enough for this new entity or this new product or this new channel or this new department or this new business you know can you just be using what you've already got at the moment at the core to service them as well rather than adding new things in and if you see that actually you've got additional resource and you might think well okay now we do want to keep this thing separately the trick here then is to kind of figure out where there's common ground because obviously what you want to be doing is wherever possible sharing the content and all of the assets that you've got available to you across those different channels um, and what i'm not saying is duplicating content i'm, I'm a big non-supporter of just copying and pasting across all your channels the same content it's very likely you're going to have to give a little different spin or a little different tone of voice to each time you publish um, content in a different channel so if you're publishing something in an existing say um, facebook page to put something then onto LinkedIn or to put something in Twitter or on Instagram, what I'd always be suggesting is that you kind of fine tune it and um, sort of you know, re re rehash it, if you like, um, because it's really important to understand the tone of voice and the style of each individual channel. 
So I'd suggest, um, just to answer this particular question directly, is that you look at what you already have and see whether or not that will service rather than adding new stuff into the mix. If there's a strategic reason for, for adding this new um, set of channels into the mix or you know, adding additional channels um, because you're looking to grow a new market or you're looking to become very, very specific for a niche message or a niche offer, then that's absolutely fine. But I think wherever you can is try and integrate the stuff into one single place or into a very small number of um, channels that you can manage because the more we add in the more chaos we add the more confusion to the customer journey and the more problems basically down the line so i'd always say less is more wherever you can do less is more don't assume that you need to be adding new stuff see if you can repurpose or retune um, or kind of improve exactly what you've got already right now Completely different question. Um, I'm struggling to create, actually it's not completely different because it's actually quite um, sort of related to that last question. So I'm struggling to create different messages to what our competitors say. Now that's a really interesting one because it comes down to this um, thing of uh, USP or unique selling proposition or your unique selling point. This is the thing that differentiates you. Um, I, know, I know a lot of marketers when they're kind of new to marketing think, hey, we've got products, we've got services, you know, we've got messages, we've got our brand, that should be enough, shouldn't it? But what you find is when you actually start talking and then you start doing research to um, your, com your competition and figuring out actually within the competition, kind of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that we say as well the main task that you then have is to find out what your differential point is in other words why should people come to you and listen to you versus going to those competitors so there's a single simple word which makes your life a lot easier in this one and the word is people okay so it's your people those are the ways of creating differentiated messages because your competitors haven't got your people. It's as simple as that. So if you can include your people as part of the mix, and um, I always, as you probably already know, advocate the rule of thirds here, and one third is about getting to know your people. So one third of everything that you publish should be about getting to know you as an organization. So it's really important to be factoring your people because that is a differentiator. Yeah, your products and services are possibly even a commodity product and service that you know a lot of people offer various price points and this that, and the other. That's kind of the noise. The really, really important stuff is your people. So what value are they adding? What technical expertise do they have that the competition doesn't have? How do they work together and interact as a team that isn't done elsewhere? You know, those are the kind of things that you need to look for. So another question has come through. Um, we have a limited marketing budget due to being a government organization. Uh, what areas do you think are important to focus on to get the marketing department off the ground? Currently, we're focusing on newsletters and exhibitions as we're trying to communicate the services we offer. Is there anything else we should look at investing time and money into? Really, really big question, really fundamental question. And I, I guess um, sort of there's probably sort of a two or three different ways of kind of answering that. I mean, I think probably the, the first um, one is very much kind of what is the vision for the organization? Because that in, in lots of ways will kind of lead the flow of thinking. I mean, you have in marketing literally millions of opportunities in terms of channels, in terms of styles of marketing, in terms of materials and assets that you could create. And it's almost too many things. And I think this is where a lot of marketers kind of get bogged down in, in terms of like, where should I start? Where should I kind of begin? And particularly if you're, as, as the question asked, looking to get the marketing department off the ground. So one of the things that um, I would certainly suggest is here is, is look right the way back upstream to your vision. Look at what the organization is aiming to achieve, because that in itself then becomes a filter for some of the things that you could offer. Um, I think another thing as well in terms of um, starting this this whole process is is by thinking obviously being a government organization you're not in this for kind of selling products and services so it's a non-commercial environment uh, within a commercial environment it becomes quite a lot clearer because you know that that's the end goal i think within some kind of be the non-profit or sort of government organization what you're looking for here is is probably the ultimate answer is how can i help people to change their behavior 
Now you've got to define what you mean by change in behavior, but that's kind of ultimately the marketing aim here. And um, we call this social marketing, not social media marketing, but social marketing. So you're marketing to create some kind of sort of social interaction, social change. So if you can figure out what the social change or the community change or the people change in terms of their behavior that you're looking to do as a government organization, then that allows you then to figure out, okay, if I know what I'm trying to change here, kind of work, which people am I trying to change? Where are those people? What are those people do? Understanding their lifestyle and the kind of behaviors they exhibit now. And then think about some of the channels and the ways of actually using marketing tools to introduce that those messages about the behavioral change start to guide them uh, influence them and of course the channels then will become much more obvious once you've figured out what that behavioral change is and then this applies to all marketers you know if you're not selling your products right now what you want to do is influence people to buy your product so there's a behavioral change so we can all work backwards upstream and i guess the two things sort of colliding so you've got the, the vision coming from one angle and you've got the behavioral change coming from another where those two points meet is kind of where your activity needs to be. So a really good question, that one, which applies obviously to, to non-commercial organizations. Uh, another question that's come through is, um, what will be the most important thing in marketing in 2020? Well, I guess, seeing we're calling this marketing 2020, that probably is the fundamental question. Um, so, the first thing I would say, um, probably, well, there's, there's probably two things that I'm thinking are, um, are going to be really important things. And I think with things like um, Extinction, Extinction Rebellion um, and a lot of the media coverage now about sort of um, climate change and planet, I think by the end of 2020, if you're in an organization that is not still not uh, paying attention to these messages and actually figuring out how you can do this more kind of mindful marketing that I've been talking about now for some sort of 18 to 24 months. If you're not still not thinking about that, then you've almost lost in the game. Because I think in 2020, we're going to see this seismic shift towards having um, really kind of evidence-based and really important um, sort of messages coming through in marketing based around actually what you are physically doing and it's actual evidence-based not just saying you're doing it not the old CSR greenwashing it's like real evidence for how you're doing kind of more mindful marketing across this new mindful marketing mix so I think that's probably probably number two in your customers minds but I think going forward into 2020 the most important thing in marketing um, is the word time Okay. It's how you can talk about your products and your services in terms of the customer's time. Can you save them time? Can you help them become more efficient with their time? Can you help them to prioritize their time? Can you help them focus their time? Are you giving them a better way to spend their time or to invest their time? Um, time to them is the critical factor. It's not the money they've got to spend. You know, they can get more money, but they can't get more time. Um, this is something I'm going to be sort of thinking and talking about a lot more as we go through into 2020, because I think, you know, it is one of those commodities. Time is a, re um, um, is, is a really important kind of finite resource that we all have, um, even if we don't sort of realize that. Um, and of course, time is going on faster and faster and faster, you know, for all of us. You know, we all live chaotic, busy lives. So anything that you've got in your mix, marketing messages of products or services that can help your customer to optimize their time. I think that's probably the best word optimize their time I think is going to be really important going forward uh, another question come through uh, we've identified return customers online are a large percentage of our sales how can we look after these customers and make them loyal to us encouraging encourage them to keep coming back brilliant question absolutely love that question um, this is what we call in the customer journey the retention stage this is where you get the best value from your marketing activities if you get this right. Uh, the key theme, and I talk a lot about this, um, is, is the word drip, or the words drip feed. So it's little and often. I think a lot of people think, oh, once I've got my customer, I said I've got them, so now they're loyal. Well, they're not, obviously, because their attention, once they've had the experience of your product or service, their attention has gone on to the next thing. You know, we all do it. You know, you buy a product or service, sometimes you never even use it. It just sits in the cupboard or sits on the shelf or sits in your computer. And you think, you know, six months time, why did I buy that? I've not even used it. So your role is to help your customers to get the best possible experience post-sale 
from the service or the product that you offer. And again, if you're in that government organization that we were talking about before, it's once that behavior has been changed, can you continually reinforce it? Can you add additional information that helps them to get the best you know, value from their perspective as a customer, from the thing they've just purchased or the thing they've just engaged with? And that is all about little and often. So it's about drip feeding. It's not about doing these big heavyweight quarterly newsletters that nobody ever reads, everybody puts straight into spam or into recycling. It's all about little and often. So figure out which tools are going to help you to drip feed your marketing messages to existing customers. Yeah, newsletters can still apply. Email, it's still there. It's still hugely popular, hugely targeted and can be really, really important. But I'm also thinking about actually as part of the sales process, making sure that you capture and get engagement with people through, say, social media. So there will be probably their preferred social networks. So engage with them as part of that social media and that uh, conversion process. So rather than just saying, hey, can we have your delivery address? Can we have your email address? It's all about saying, actually, can we connect on Facebook? Can we actually connect in Twitter? You know, let's, let's connect in LinkedIn. Whichever the social media um, sort of channels are that are relevant to you and your customer, those are the ones that as part of that process you want to get into because those are going to be channels that are going to allow you to drip feed this content in. So really, really good question. That is how you retain your customers. Drip feeding little and often relevant stuff to them through relevant channels they've got. And of course, the spin back from that is that, yeah, they will come back. They will stay loyal. They will come back and repurchase and upgrade and, and you know, get more stuff from you. But they'll also, if you're giving them great value, they'll also advocate you to family, friends, colleagues and peers, organizations and people around them who are probably just like them. So then you get more customers through your sales funnel anyway. So it's a win-win, win-win-win. You know, everybody wins if you do this. Little and often, building a loyalty through drip feeding. Great question, love that one. Uh, another question, I've been looking at lots of the content on Mindful Collective, but don't know the best way of introducing the ideas to my business. Okay, well, that's a good one. Um, yeah, again, it's all about this kind of um, living in a sort of um, a marketing ivory tower. Um, very easy to do. You know, we speak our marketing language. We think we're doing great stuff. We're all super positive. You know, stuff looks good. But actually, then we've got to be thinking about actually got to sell this stuff sort of internally. So it comes back to my whole um, sort of point about this kind of internal versus external marketing. I think what you're doing here to sell stuff like this new kind of mindful marketing concept into your organization about, you know, playing to your higher purpose, you know, having really efficient processes that, you know, look at carbon footprint and you know, economies of scale and efficiencies, you know, treating your people really well, you know, reinvestment of profit, all of those really important things now um, in our whole marketing mix. I think the key thing to selling this stuff in, because this, this subject is so big. I mean, if you think marketing is big, well, this whole mindful world and um, ethics and uh, sustainability is even bigger. So if you're trying to sell that in, it's about really selling in evidence-based ROI, return on investment. In other words, if I, as a director, hearing from you, what you're saying, all these lovely good things, and I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, it's all great. It's all really, really good. Yeah, I get it. Totally get it. But actually, I'm really busy. If you give me messages that talk about evidence-based, and you've got to have the evidence, it's no good just telling me a story, I need to see the evidence. But if you can talk to me about return on investment, so case studies, how-to guides, examples of other organizations like ours that have actually been through this process and actually have come out the other end with a great ROI, that's the way to start selling it in. You know, it would be lovely to go with all these lovely evangelical stories and say, you know, we want to be doing this, you know, just for the good of the planet and this, that and the other. Most organizations, both public sector and private sector, are going to say, yeah, that's great, but we've got an organization to run or we've got a business to run and products to sell. So, yeah, we hear it, we get it. But at the moment, the pain isn't enough for us to really devote time to doing it. There will, of course, come a tipping point where it is too painful and you have to do it. And I'm thinking that 2020 is going to be that year. But at the moment, right here, right now, if you want to sell this stuff in, and this applies to any new marketing initiatives that you want to do. So if you're selling in your next big idea, make it evidence based. So look for case studies and examples of where organizations or people have done this before really successfully and think about the ROI, the return on the investment doesn't just have to be money. The return on investment is return on investment in resources. So that's people, budget and time. So if you can save time, comes back to time again, if you can save resources so you can reallocate people's time appropriately and potentially you can even save budget or make more money or grow the organization 
Those are the kind of stories that your organization wants to hear. Okay, so it's not the message itself, it's how that messages add, messages add value to the organization. So yeah, really, really helpful question that because it applies to all of marketing, not just the kind of mindful marketing stuff. Uh, another question come through, there's always so much to do, we don't have time to try new things. Should we just keep doing the same marketing that's already working? Um, Yes. I mean, I'm not going to say no, because as you've just told me, it's already working. So obviously the answer is yes, keep doing it. I think what I always fall back on with, with questions like that is the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle. If you've never come across it, you can look it up to Google it. Um, it's a really, really interesting answer. Um, that kind of gets you out of jail free every single time. So the 80-20 rule says that basically you're going to get 80% of your value from 20% of the things that you do, um, or 20% of your customers give you 80% of your revenue, or blah, 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 blah. It's always 80-20. Um, this was an Italian economist back, I think, in the 19th century who came up with this principle because he'd been researching lots of different markets, and it just seems to work in whatever application you do it. So 80-20 rule. So if I follow the 80-20, rule in this question should we just keep doing the same marketing that's working rather than trying new things i'd say 80 percent of what you do should be the things that are working so that's i guess your core marketing but i would also say explore with the other 20 percent if you do it 100 percent of what's working today there's no knowing because of course we're in a, a state of flux we're in a you know um, sectors and, and marketplaces that are changing rapidly so if you're focusing a hundred percent on what's here today you could possibly be missing out on innovations and opportunities or that kind of scary specter of you know something really annoying coming around the corner and biting you so you've got to be still aware and listening you've got to be innovating you've got to be kind of testing out stuff maybe at a low volume maybe at a low kind of level um, at this stage but i would say it's probably 80 20. well it is 80 20. it's going to be 80 20 because 80 20 always works so 80 percent is the core of the stuff that you're already doing that's working 20 percent is exploring the new stuff so that could be researching things that could be running some little test ad campaigns or just going and figuring out are there some new channels that could resonate uh, for me getting my message out there so um, 80 20 always works uh, another question what's the best way to measure our social media results um, okay, so there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. You can do it the really obvious way, which is look at your social media insights. And that would be the really wildly obvious answer. Um, now, for some organizations, that is enough. Um, for some organizations, that will tell you pretty much all you need to know. Um, and that will be the growth and engagement kind of story. So, you know, you post a post, you know, did it have any impact? Yes, we've got this amount of engagement. Okay, I'm going to go and do it again. So at a very granular sort of basic level, that, that is kind of probably going to be enough for you. Uh, personally, I always say go and test. And again, this could come as part of that 20% of exploration. Go and test some of the... Um, aggregators some of the social media aggregators now the two that i really like and i'm not sponsored by them so i have to add that bit in um are uh, sprout social you know sprout social s-p-r-o-u-t social.com um, and socialreport.com um, socialreport.com is my favorite uh, the reason being it's got a very simple but very um, effective interface um, and once you plug all of your social media um, accounts into it, you leave it for 24 hours because I'm presuming unless you've got brand new accounts, there's going to be quite a lot of a timeline, quite a lot of a, a backstory for them to go and trawl through. But they will go and look at every single thing that you've ever done in those accounts. So sometimes it is going to need to be an overnight or an over um, the next kind of 24 hours process for them to just be able to trawl back through your timelines. But what they do is they allow you to see the interactions in graph form, in table form, of the different kind of activities that you do so if you know you're running a campaign in sort of June or you're running a campaign in September you can actually go in there and you can see the interactions that you've had by channel by post by update um, and all of the different major social networks you can plug into this thing so if you need for that particular month of that campaign to switch off two or three of them and not see those insights but just see the ones that you used you can do that so you can pick and mix and chop and change to produce kind of reports that will um, output in PDF form and the like, so that you can actually see really what's going on, not just from an individual channel perspective, but is this word integrated again, from an integrated channel perspective, which is obviously really important when it comes to getting a really good overview. 
And what by doing that, what that allows you to do is to do the really important thing. If you have to sell your uh, results back into the organization, either through your line manager or through to the board or the, uh, the management team, is that what it allows you to do is to talk to them in intelligence, not talk to them in information. Because the last thing they need to see are these graphs. The last thing they need to see are these tables of data. You know, they're not going to look at it. They're not interested. That's marketing information. Your role as a marketer is to translate that into intelligence. In other words, what do these numbers mean to the organization? Where's the opportunity? Where's the threat? What are our next steps? What should we be doing next? So your role is to interpret those numbers and something like Social Report or Sprout Social allows you to get, get this kind of big picture and to really see what's going on. Um, the other one I would add into the mix there is something like Social Mention, if you've come across Social Mention. Uh, so it's socialmention.com. Um, it's a bit like the Google of um, Social Media Insights. So you put it literally into the um, search button or into the search bar. You put um, a particular campaign name or a name of a product or service, and it allows you to see the social mentions, so all of the mentions, all of the comments, all the threads for that particular term. Um, the really nice thing, you could say, well, I can get that from Google, but the really nice thing that you get from social mention is that you get a sentiment rating. So you can see and you can filter down in terms of the positive ones, the neutral ones and the negative ones. So if you're looking to um, adapt and interact with a particular campaign or um, sort of marketing set of messages that you're doing or product launch, it allows you almost in real time to interact and react to any sort of market um, sort of you know, feedback that you're going to get. So it can be a really powerful one. The other types of insights, they're a little bit more time laggy, whereas something like social mention allows you to interact in real time. So you can be really responsive and get really sharp and savvy with the way that you interact. Okay, of course, the you know, big upside is that you get some really, really good uh, engagement as a result of doing that. Hopefully that then helps the campaign itself. Uh, another question, what are your top three marketing tips or tools? Wow. Um, probably all of the above, um, all of the things that we've just been talking about. I think top three marketing tips or tools. Well, let me see if I can do three tips and three tools. So the three tips are probably selling time, the value of time. Um, is being more mindful with the marketing. So thinking about this new marketing mix, which talks about the higher purpose of your organization, how you um, are interacting and using people in the right way, sort of really ethically and really sort of uh, the culture of your organization and how you're super efficient, how you're not wasting, I think are the, the really key things in there. Um, marketing tips is uh, rule of thirds. I always have to put rule of thirds in there. If people want to hear from you, they want to hear from you in a balanced way. They don't want you selling to them all the time. They don't want to just hear you going, blah, 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 all about me. They don't want you just retweeting and signposting to stuff because that looks lazy and also you're missing a trick. So the rule of thirds helps you to balance that. So your content strategy is rule of thirds as far as I'm concerned. So that's a big one. So it's about mindful marketing. It's about the rule of thirds. And then I'd say it's also about listening. I think within marketing, we can get really um, sort of pulled along by this whole thing that we need to be publishing and making noise all the time. Um, I'm, I'm introverted, so naturally I do listen more than I actually talk, even though you probably wouldn't think so from this particular broadcast. Um, but actually being an introvert, it's, it's a natural thing for me to listen. And I think as, as marketers, we need to kind of almost like train ourselves to listen more so that we become more responsive to actually what the customer is really telling us and feeding back. Um, even as an introvert, I still need to practice that myself. I know I'm not perfect at this, but I probably have a more more of a tendency to do it than lots of people. But if you're the kind of marketer who thinks, hey, it's all about kind of being out there and shouting and this, that and the other, then there's probably a little bit of um, a journey to go on, which is that whole thing about listening. Because if you can do that bit really well, it makes your life easier because then you don't end up saying the wrong things. You don't end up going down the wrong channels. So those are probably my three tips. It's, it's the mindfulness in marketing. It's the rule of thirds and it's about listening. Uh, the top three tools. Um, okay, so I would probably think about the ones that I am going to be using. I'm probably using most at the moment. I'd say probably Hootsuite which for me keeps everything um, in one place. So I can literally, if time is of the essence, I can just literally go in there and see all my social media, get all that listening done all on one screen. So Hootsuite, 
uh, really works for me on that one. Um, I'd say probably going forward, because um, I'm using video more and more, and I know a lot of my clients are starting to really see the benefit of video, things like Skype video, Zoom, as um, this one's being recorded on, I think are really, really important, but probably the tool is really video. Uh, in many ways there is just kind of strategically and creatively thinking how can we sort of optimize the use of video you know what is it we can do so if we're creating any kind of content printed written or whatever could we do video versions of it and then my third tool which is the big one for me it's my biggest growth area at the moment is um, is podcast so I think podcast video and um, Hootsuite those are probably my big three uh, the reason for the podcast one um, that is just just super efficient in terms of uh, marketing uh, communications is that it's a huge growth area um, with the the growth of the likes of um, Siri, Alexa, you know, all of these kind of um, sort of uh, home boxes, if you like, which are now sort of appearing in offices as well. Um, the use of audio for interacting, the use of audio for search, the use of audio for kind of information sources, and obviously for things like podcasts um, is growing exponentially. So I'm certainly seeing that in the growth of the, the content that I publish. Um, and it's so, so, so easy to do. I mean, you literally, if you have a smartphone, you have got a radio station and a podcast because it literally is just voice memo updated to your blog or onto your website. Use something like FeedBurner, so feedburner.google.com. Um, that's a, a good sort of a publisher, if you like, and that is the publishing source to out to um, all of the different sort of podcast channels, including iTunes. Um, and it's just another really powerful channel that can open up the door to um, informing and educating and um, providing a great customer experience. So I think that's probably, those are my three tools, Hootsuite, uh, video as a concept, and then podcasting. So great, good question, thank you very much. Um, another question, would you carry out something like SOSTAC on a company overview level or more towards each objective, for example, increasing conversion rates? SOSTAC, um, and thanks very much to Paul Smith, uh, prsmith.org, always give him a shout out because SOSTAC is just such a tool. Um, it is so, so helpful at every single level. So I've um, seen examples, and if you go to prsmith.org, you can see examples of um, big multinationals who use SOSTAC at a strategic corporate level. Um, and that is about, you know, working from a situation through their objectives and goals to creating a long term strategy and then all of the tactics and measurement underneath that that helps them to deliver those goals strategically and corporately. Um, you can also use it to plan a holiday. I've known somebody who actually used the SOSTAC principle to plan a, um, a, a journey that they were going on. It was a bit of an adventure holiday and they thought, right, OK, let's use SOSTAC. And I thought, whoa, that's a thing. They bought flip chart and post-its and they were a bit of a post-it um, addict, actually. But anyway, uh, that's another story. But they actually used it for that. So I would say you can use the concept of SOSTAC um, in any way, shape or form that you feel um, is appropriate. Um, and certainly for digital marketing and certainly marketing sort of tactics, it's a great way of aligning the kind of day-to-day -day operations with the higher level marketing or the higher level organization objectives. And that's always the thing that I you know, sort of sell it on as sell the virtues of it is it's about alignment and that integration thing again. So um, yeah, all levels. Um, and if you can encourage your management team to do it, head over to prsmith.org and there's loads of stuff you can buy and templates and resources over there so um so yeah paul smith's done a great job with that a tool that is very useful for all of us really so yeah great question um and then sort of building on that one another question that's come through can you clarify the difference between marketing strategy and marketing tactics um yeah sim simple one really um strategy is your three to five year view and tactics is your one to two year view and I say one to two and three to five because it depends on your industry. If you're in a very fast moving industry, it typically is one year tactics and maybe two to three years strategic because it moves so fast. Um, if you're in public sector or a slower moving um, industry, um, tactical is still one to two years, but your um, strategic could be three to five years. Uh, it's very rare now you see a strategic plan that goes out beyond five years because the world is moving so fast. Um, I've seen a few industries where they're out sort of still 10, 15 years out, but that is very, very rare. For most of us, it's the one to two years is tactical and three to five years is called strategic. And I've uh, got one more question, it seems, to come through at the moment, which is everyone saying use influencers in your marketing. What do they, re what do they really mean? So, yeah, influencers. Um, 
come at all different shapes and sizes. So you have influencers at a very kind of celebrity level where they have you know, multi-million pound um, sort of yachts and they're doing this, that and the other because they've made a huge amount of money through their influence. And every time they um, publish a tweet or an Instagram post, you know, they get paid $100,000 or whatever. From a really sort of practical marketing perspective, when we talk about influencers, we're not really, I mean, you might be if you've got big budgets, but for most of us, we're not talking at that level. For most of us, we're talking about, I guess you could call them noisemakers, noisemakers in our sectors or in our communities or in our um, customers' communities that we're trying to influence. Um, so I would certainly term these noisemakers as micro-influencers. So they're a lot more kind of targeted and focused. Now, these can be influencers that we've had for sort of years and years and years, which are the sort of the journalists or the bloggers or the people who look after um, sort of um, industry associations or things like that so the more kind of formal obvious ones and they are influencers undoubtedly um, we've obviously got a new breed of influencers and a lot of these are kind of self-generated self-proclaimed either experts or specialists or can be just really really passionate about a particular subject and again your role as a marketer is to identify who these people are um, and it might be within your sector but it can also be um, in the customer that you're trying to influence his sector as well. So if you're in business to business, B2B, um, it's kind of like, where is your customer getting their influence from? Who are they listening to? Who are they reading? Um, what kind of information are they taking? Because those are the kinds of places then that you might want to then go and engage with. So it's those kinds of influences that we're talking about rather than the big celebrity ones. So have a really good listener, really good work, work around your whole sector that you're looking to target. It. find out who are the noise makers who are the people who are most influential it's not necessarily just the noisiest ones but it's the ones who are getting most engagement and um, building on that one um, beautifully timed so thank you for this being a, a, live, a live session because it's really great because we can actually build on these um, any tips on increasing engagement we've adopted the rule of thirds but struggling to increase engagement um, well, without obviously drilling down into the, the real detail behind um, the, um, the, the use of the rule of thirds there, um, I guess it's, uh, there's a load of questions that you can really ask in terms of engagement. Um, one is kind of what does engagement really mean for you? So does in, is engagement just enough that you're getting sort of eyeball um, attraction? Um, is it enough that you get um, likes? So you just get that little token, yeah, this is all right, it's content. Or are we talking about engagement where you want to get into a really in-depth conversation so you're actually building you know um, the the ip if you like around a particular subject because people are adding real value um, and they're creating some really really good conversation i think one of the um sort of most simple tools if you're looking to go sort of more to the, the far end of that um, spectrum and get some really high quality engagement is is probably getting into the habit of actually posting questions rather than answers so actually ending if you're doing a blog or if you're doing an article always having the the mental kind of check thing that you're actually ending on a question mark rather than a full stop okay so it's a simple little technique simple little tip if on the vast majority of things that you publish you can end on a question mark rather than a full stop because of course a full stop is like hey here's the world according to me and that's it and then you wait for some engagement. Well, of course, you're not going to get it because you either haven't asked for that engagement or you put the full stop in, which is like, well, that's it. I'm not really interested. I'm not listening. So I think if you can give evidence that actually you are listening and you are sort of you know, open and ready because you are actually actively encouraging it, that might help you just generically. That might help you to um, increase that level of engagement or at least the, you know, the, the audience's kind of reception to the messages that you're putting in there. So ending on a question mark rather than a, a full stop. But the other things that you can do is you can actually invite people to do stuff. I know um, when I sort of saw a huge spike in um, engagement in some of the work that I was doing with a client, um, it was because we were putting out um, offers and invitations for people to come and be interviewed on a particular subject. Um, and they saw it then as being, hey, this is a really great opportunity because I can now give my point of view. I can sort of you know, give my take on this particular thing. And that became a really interesting thing. So rather than just putting out a white paper or putting out some information saying, hey, there it is. Hope everyone likes it. Come on, engage. We actually said, look, we're trying to build this subject. 
not necessarily that we want to become thought leaders in it, but that we're hearing this community talking about this stuff. And hey, we've got this guy that we've just interviewed, um, and he or she, they're sharing this, you know, really, really important information. Have you got anything you want to add to this? And we found that started to then build this engagement. So almost sort of creating yourself as, again, it's this publishing thing. Could you be a sort of a publisher around a particular subject? Because people will come if they know that they can get their, um, their sort of message heard by a wider audience so i think it's probably those two things really you know um end on question marks rather than full stops um again that's just a really good sort of point of practice for increasing engagement but also think creatively about how you can actually encourage others into the content that you do so interviews are a really great way of doing it so yeah really really good question that one because i think that's probably something a lot of us face you know ongoing and i'm not saying i've cracked it i'm not saying anybody's really 100 percent cracked it but i think those two are really good practice to uh, to get some quick wins and at least get that engagement started so just waiting to see if there are any final questions um i've got one final one that's just sort of come through on uh, direct message here um, which is what one thing am I going to do more of in 2020? Um, I think I kind of sort of hinted at that a little bit, which is um, podcast audio. Yeah, so I'm going to be increasing the frequency. I'm going to be doing some of those uh, interviews that we were talking about, um, but across a number of different sort of business interests that I have, um, I'm going to be using podcasting and audio because um, not only is it a big growth area, um, I think it's certainly an area that, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I talk about, a lot of the stuff that I hear and then hopefully add a little bit of value to, um, and I'm certainly sharing and sort of curating content on certain topics. I think a lot of that does lend itself to, to audio as a, as a channel. So yeah, so for me, it is, it is definitely audio. Um, but I think, you know, for, for everyone, for all marketers, it's about thinking, you know, we've got these opportunities. Yes, there is still text and we can still write stuff. Yeah, there's still images and we can still have, you know, high quality um, sort of imagery. Um, there's definitely video, but then there's also audio. And I think if we can kind of balance our marketing using those four um, streams of, of assets, of streams of material, then I think we're probably going to stand a pretty good chance. Uh, if we remain mindful, of course, with our marketing uh, as we go into uh, into 2020. So, yeah, for me, that's the one. I think it, it's, it's audio potentially. That will be my big winner, hopefully, next year. Um, but um, I'm going to definitely sort of make a mental note. In fact, I'm going to actually write it down. I'm going to come back at this same time, halfway point in 2020 and the end of 2020 and actually see if I was right. So you can critique me, come back and listen to the podcast that I'm going to do at that point as to whether or not I was right that it really worked. So I put myself on the spot there. But hey, it's all marketing. It's all ROI. So thank you very much for your questions. That was some really, really good questions. Um, so it makes me feel like we should do this a little bit more often often this Q&A thing. I uh, didn't get caught out, I don't think. Hopefully uh, you sort of thought there was a little bit of value sort of going on there. Um, but obviously this is really only the start. I mean, there are millions of questions that we could sort of talk about here. So uh, I'm going to invite, um, if you're um, sort of listening to this on, uh, on Catch Up, um, use the thread, uh, the message thread or the response mechanism in wherever you are uh, listening to this. Um, and uh, obviously send me a, a direct message. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter. It's probably the, the simplest place, um, which is a catch-all for everything. Uh, it's Neil Wilkins X is my uh, Twitter handle. Uh, so you can find me there. And uh, please do um, ask any further questions. But uh, use if there is a, a message thread at the, uh, the foot of this, uh, or if you're uh, one of my apprentices or uh, any of my uh, um, students or delegates, uh, you'll know the normal way that we uh, communicate. So um, yeah, feel free to, uh, to drop me a line if you've got any other questions or if having them listen to this or thought about this again, you think, oh, I wish I'd asked that, then um, obviously you do have a channel to get through to me again. So thanks ever so much for everyone who asked the questions. Thanks for everybody else who uh, was listening. Uh, hopefully you found it of value and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again very, very soon. So bye for now.